Man, Tina's testimony is so powerful. So powerful. And the Emmaus staff video. So weird. So weird. But nevertheless, it was impressive. It was, it was a... It, it had a message. I was wondering what the message would be. But uh, thank you, Maya staff, for always sharing with us your true side. <laughs> Our college ministry staff, they love having fun. And, uh, you know, when you're working with college students, you know, you can't take yourself too seriously. You know what I'm saying? And they certainly don't. All right. I'm going to preach my message today. Turn to Acts chapter 17. I want to encourage everyone, please bring your physical Bible to church, especially if you're a leader of the house. Carry your physical Bible. And a lot of times I will read from the ESV up here. So if you're on leadership with our church, we recommend getting a more literal translation of the Bible. It helps with Bible study. Acts chapter 17. And I'm going to have you guys clap at the 45-minute mark again. Help me out so I can go ahead and land this sermon at the 45-minute mark. I don't want to go too long after that, all right? So Chaya will hold up her sign. Chaya, hold up a sign. And when, she, when you see Chaya's sign go up, everyone just start clapping spontaneously, and you don't have to worry. It will not offend me, all right? You're just helping me out. Look at Acts chapter 17, verses 10 and 11. We're reading from the ESV. The brothers immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. Berea or Berea. And when they arrived, they went into the Jewish synagogue. Now these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the word with all eagerness. Or in the NIV it says, with great eagerness. Examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. Or in the NIV it says, to see if the things that Paul had taught were true. Today I'm going to talk about how important it is for us to model ourselves after the Bereans. Turn to your neighbor, tell him, be a Berean. I'm going to unpack what that means today. Be a Berean. Berean, Berean, whatever you want to call it. So Paul here, he makes his way over from Thessalonica to Berea. And when he gets there, he goes into a Jewish synagogue. And as he teaches... These Berean Jews, they begin to search the scriptures to see if everything that Paul was teaching was so. They didn't just listen and even just take notes and just receive it. But they examined the scriptures to see if these things were so. And when these Bereans started to search the scriptures, Paul didn't panic 
and say something like, what are you doing? Don't you just trust me? What are you flipping through your Bibles for? What are you flipping through the uh, Old Testament scriptures for? He didn't panic. He didn't get insecure because he knew that he was preaching the truth. And here's a little something. There's a common saying that goes, fear has, I mean, truth has no fear of examination. Truth has no fear of examination. So as Paul is preaching and the Bereans are searching the scripture, Paul had no insecurity whatsoever because he knew that he was preaching the truth. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, truth has no fear of examination. If you investigate and examine the truth, you will find more evidence that the truth is indeed true. Truth doesn't fall apart on you. Real truth stands the test of time. It stands the questions, the scrutiny. You know, if you hear a message from me and you go search the scriptures to see what I'm, if I'm, what I'm preaching is true, look, I ain't mad at you. Now, you start, you start cross-examining my sermon to see if these things are really in the Bible. I'm not, I'm not going to get all insecure and upset. The Bible says in John 16, 13, that the Holy Spirit will guide you into all truth. If you're a true believer of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit's in you. And if you're walking in obedience to the Holy Spirit, I know that the Holy Spirit will lead you into all truth. See, even Tina's testimony, when she first came in here, this was not the kind of church she grew up in. So she just thought we were all crazy. But we're the good crazy. But as she continued to investigate and examine our community and continue to come out, she realized, man, these people love Jesus. This ain't no crazy cult. People here in New Philly, they genuinely love Jesus and they really believe the word of God. They believe scriptures. They don't pick and choose. They believe scriptures that talk about physical healing. Of our God being a Jehovah Rapha, the Lord our healer. The Holy Spirit is in you and either the Holy Spirit will guide you into all truth. See, the author of Acts, Luke here, He makes a comparison between the believers at Thessalonica and the believers at Berea. And he commends the Bereans for being of more noble character. Why were they noted as being of more noble character? Because it says they received the message with great eagerness and they examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul had preached was true. What the Bereans did was celebrated. The author of Luke, by the, power, by the Holy Spirit's leading, is celebrating the behavior of the Bereans. I'm going somewhere today. In fact, earlier in the chapter, the Bible says that at Thessalonica, only some of the Jews believed. But at Berea, it says in verse 11, many of the Jews believed in the gospel. You see, it was the searching and examining of the scriptures that opened the hearts of the many Jews at Berea, which, by the way, the Jews were probably the most difficult audience that Paul at this time is facing. 
It's not the Gentiles. The Gentiles were coming in mass. After the initial Jewish converts, the Jews were opposing the gospel. They were persecuting Paul. They were whipping him, stoning him. But here at Berea, it says that many Jews believed. It was this searching and this examining of the scriptures that opened up the hearts of many Jews at Berea. And it gave them this understanding that indeed Jesus is Lord. Church, we need to be like the Bereans. We need to receive the word with all eagerness, with great eagerness. We got to learn how to examine the scriptures daily to see if the things that you learn are in alignment with the word of God. Do you know why I give Bible references during a sermon? You notice that some popular preachers, they don't do that. They just say, in the Bible it says. No, I don't do that. I'll give you the, 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 the book, chapter, and verse a lot of times. And I kind of do it in passing. Why? Because so you can go back on the sermon on MP3, and you can write down those references. And if you choose, I don't know if you've ever done this, but if you choose to do this. Now, when I was a college student, let me tell you something. I did this. When I was a young college student, people would preach something. I'd be like, uh-huh, all right, that sounds good. But is it biblical? Is it in the Bible? And I'll search the scriptures. You know why I have such a strong stance on predestination? Because I went through that whole process. I scrutinized this belief. I scrutinized this theology. And I'll search all the Old Testament, all the New Testament with the lens of, is this scripture or is this actually in the Bible? And for me, in my journey, I've come beyond the shadow of the doubt that this theology of sovereignty is in the Bible. But a lot of people don't bother to do that. They take more of their theology from humanistic tendencies, from more Western philosophy than from Scripture, or from popular culture, which I'll talk about a little bit later. If you go through the Bible and look through these references and you search the Scriptures to see if what is preached is true, that's not going to weaken your faith. It's going to strengthen it. The word of God ain't dead words on a page. The Bible says the word of God is living and active. And when you have the Holy Spirit leading you, he's indwelling you and leading you, and you got the word of God that's living and active before you, I'm telling you right now, you will not fail to arrive at the truth if you're truly being honest before God. If you're living in obedience, especially if you're living in holiness, obedience, oh, he's going to lead you into all truth. But for people who are all twisted, perverted, got some kind of other ulterior motive, you'll see them believing all kinds of heresy, all kinds of false beliefs. In Matthew 13, I want you to turn there, Matthew 13, verses 3 to 9. Oh, now everybody, oh, let me, let me look at my Bible. Let me see if this dude, what this guy is preaching. Let me see if this guy's actually preaching from the scripture. I'm going to preach from the scripture. Let me tell you something right now. I've always been dedicated to preach from the scripture. Any knucklehead that accuses me of not being biblical, they just haven't heard my messages. In fact, I got some knucklehead email me last night. I just skimmed that thing. I didn't read that thing. I skimmed that thing. I, I looked at the first two sentences. This is foolishness. But you know, as I kind of skimmed it, I was getting so angry. This guy, this guy, what? 
What is this guy thinking? Who does this? He doesn't even know me. I don't even know you. Young man, I don't even know you. And he's trying to, he's trying to say, oh, Pastor Christian, I will pray for you to arrive at the truth because everything you're doing over there is unbiblical. Mostly he was talking about the women in ministry issue. And I just wanted to fight him. I wanted to write him and put him in his place or something like that. But I heard the voice of Pastor Benjamin. <laughs> Delete that email. And, and then I forwarded it to Pastor Benjamin and Sonny just to see what they said. And then he, he FaceTimed with me. We video chatted on my iPhone. And he was like, did you delete that email? <laughs> you know what the Bible says. You answer a fool according to his ways and you would be just like him. That's, I, I looked at that. It's just foolishness in there. Like, I, I, can, I can engage a person in a good argument about the issue. But the way he was writing me, man, was just... That had nothing to do with that. Now, if you guys know, if you listen to my Women in Ministry series, you know that I'm not promoting or I'm not teaching that women should be in ministry and women should be allowed to teach and preach. I'm not doing that based on culture. I just have a different interpretation of the scripture using very clear hermeneutics, a clear way of interpretation. If you want to know what that is, then go listen to the sermon Don't accuse me of being liberal. (sighs) One thing I'm not is I'm not liberal. I'm very conservative in my theology. Very conservative in my theology. You guys know that. I got that reform side for a reason. Westminster Confession. I'm reformed in my theology. I'm very conservative in my theology. Talk about being liberal. What? Are, he, it was like, are you going to ordain gays next to be leaders in your church or something like that? I'll put my hands on you, young man. Come over here. <laughs> Why don't you come visit New Philly? You talk to that. You say that to my face. I don't know. He might actually be here today. <laughs> well, you know what? You know, I'm a little careless like that sometimes. I'm sorry. If you're here, young man, if you're here, young man, all right, let's talk respectfully, all right? You wrote this long book to me, but you don't know, even, you don't even know me. You don't even know what I've taught. I don't know if he's here, but you know what I'm saying? You're probably all shaking now because you're scared. You should be scared. I'm, I'm playing, I'm playing. All right, let's look at Matthew 13. I'm sorry, I'm going to I've got to make the 45 minute mark here. Matthew 13, verse 3 to 9, we find the parable of the sower. And then this parable is not about the seed, it's about the soil. Jesus said the seed is of the word of the kingdom. There ain't nothing wrong with the seed. The harvest is determined by the soil is what Jesus is saying here. And he says here there's four kinds of soil. Verse 3, Matthew 13, 3. Behold, a sower went out to sow. As he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside. That's the number one kind of soil. is seed that falls on the road. Birds came and devoured them. Second, some fell on stony places where did not have much earth not have much soil and they immediately sprang up because they have no depth of earth but when the sun sun came up they were scorched and because they had no root they withered away and then the third kind the sun fell among thorns and the thorns sprang up and choked them but fourth others fell on good ground and yielded a crop some a hundred sixty some thirty of that which was sown So there's four kinds 
of soil here. And if you want to know what these four kinds of soil, what the interpretation really is, it's very easy to find the interpretation. Go to verse 18, because later in the chapter, Jesus explains what the parable of the sower is all about. Look at Matthew 13, verse 18 to 23. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the road, along the path. The second kind, as for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself. He endures for a while, but when tribulation and persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. And third, as for what was sown among thorns, this is one who hears the word, but the cares of the word World, I'm sorry, the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and it proves unfruitful. And the fourth kind, as for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields in one case a hundred, in another sixty, and in another thirty. That's the explanation for this parable. Now, I want you to underline, if you don't mind mocking up your Bible, underline two words here. Verse 19. The seed that fell along the road, or, yeah, the one that fell along the road, it says that the birds of the air, this is the evil one, snatches away what's been sown in his heart. Here's the key. Verse 19. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, underline the word understand You know, you come to church here at New Philly and you hear a good word preached by Pastor Sam Song, who preached last week, by Pastor Aaron, by myself. You hear a good word preached, but if you just hear it, you receive it, but you don't understand it. Or your understanding of it is just skin deep. If your understanding is lacking, it's easy for the devil to just come and snatch away that word. Don't let that happen to yourself. And look at verse 23. I want you to look at verse 23. It says, As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and what? Understands it. Underline that word again. Understands it. So if you really see what the parable of the sower is saying, Jesus is saying, look, there are going to be all kinds of people that are going to receive the preaching of the word with all kinds of responses. Some people are just going to receive it. It's going to be on like rocky ground that has no root. Some people are going to receive it with joy. And then immediately they spring up and immediately they fall away. You ever remember people like that? You might be one of them, right? (laughs) Immediately you spring up, immediately you fall away. Some people even uh, come out to New Philly, you know. Immediately they're so full of joy. They're like, this is amazing. Wow, this church is awesome. I'm just learning so much. But their understanding doesn't go very deep. And then when stuff happens in their life, they out that door. They revert back to their old ways. Here's the thing about understanding. Sometimes the understanding doesn't come until you have searched the scriptures. Well, I'm smart. I understand what's going on there. No, no, no. What you don't understand is the word of God goes deep. The word of God is rich. 
You know, you make a withdrawal on your bank account. You're like, oh, I got some money. You make a withdrawal on the word of God. I'm telling you, you, you can make a withdrawal. You can make another withdrawal. You were like, oh, man, there's a lot more. This account is a lot more rich than I thought. The word of God goes deep. Your understanding needs to go deep. And you got to search the scriptures for you to get there sometimes. People don't fall away from the church because they don't get the truth. People fall away because they are too lazy to examine the scriptures and they lack understanding. Can I get an amen? Amen. It's not that the gospel is not being understood. It's not that the, the preaching is being rejected. It's just that people, they lack understanding. You know, we have a sad example. I won't name the person. But we had a, a young girl, and her life got transformed at our community. Her life was radically transformed. And we just shepherded her, we discipled her, we saw her growing. She was serving, she took our leadership training and became a reserve leader with our, with our church. She was serving the Lord with this great joy. And then she just made, I believe it was just like a short trip to America. And after this short trip to America, we never saw her again. And I wonder, what whatever happened to that girl? Oh, she was so on fire for Jesus. Whatever happened to her? And somebody gave me the insight that he overheard that what happened was when she went over to America, to an area of America that I will not name, some people with Greek versions of the Bible They came and they told her, what you learn over there in New Philly is all unbiblical. And they started to poke holes in her understanding. And because her understanding wasn't that deep, because she didn't ask all the questions, she she probably didn't examine the scriptures very deep. When they started poking holes in her theology and poking holes in what she thought was truth that she received from this house, she just fell away. In fact, she just cut cut off, cut herself off from our whole community. I'm like, look, if you disagree with what we teach, that's fine. If you've been convinced that people from, you know, people were influenced by the gospel coalition, you think they got all the truth? All right, that's fine. But what about a goodbye? What about, what about a thank you? What about a, hey, you know, I really enjoyed my time with y'all, but I'm out now. It's just, she just cut herself out from our community. You know, and, and that makes me want, want her, want to control like who she hangs out with from New Philly, you know. But yeah, I'm not like that. I'm not controlling like that. But, you know, I, think that's a, I think that's sad because I don't think what we're teaching here is unbiblical. If you search the scriptures, you will be able to find that many of the things that are being taught here is true. But if you don't do that for yourself... And you go over on a trip to America and you meet some Pharisaic people. I'm not saying these people are Pharisaic, all right? But you meet some Pharisaic people, all right? They know the scriptures real well. They come off like they know the scriptures real well. Well, here's a little news for you. The people who knew the scriptures the best in Jesus' day, Jesus called them whitewashed tombs, children of the devil, a people who understand, have, not, no, not understand because that's not, they didn't have understanding. They had the scriptures, but they didn't have the true understanding. They didn't have an obedient heart. Jesus rebuked the teachers of the law of his day. They were the furthest from the kingdom of God. So if you want to use a little bit of precedence, 
I would encourage you not to just listen to what the Pharisees say wholesale. Whatever they say, you better examine the scriptures because some of what they're saying, it ain't true. And the way they're saying it, it's just subtle. It's just so subtle. But they will lead you astray. They will lead you straight into religious, like a religious system, not true Christianity. A religious system of methods and do's and don'ts. And not a vibrant, abundant life, dynamic spirituality that is promised in scripture. If you think I have a little animosity toward people who are a little religious, it's because I do. Well, Jesus did. So you know what? I'm in good company. <laughs> but, you know, at the same time, Jesus told us to love our enemies, right? <laughs> so, you know, I, I try to love, all right? I try to be patient because some of those people actually, they change their mind. They, some of those, some of them change their mind. Anyway, I'm going to share with you two ingredients to lasting transformation. Two ingredients to lasting transformation. First ingredient is Repentance. Repentance. I'm going to break down the Greek word for repent. It's metanoeo. It's a verb. Metanoeo. The noun repentance is metanoia. This is a compound word. It's composed of the word meta, which means after, and the word noeo, which means to perceive. Noeo comes from the Greek word nous, meaning the mind, the seat of moral reflection. And repentance signifies a changing of one's mind, a changing of one's mind and heart. And it's always, almost always, in the context of New Testament, involves a repentance from sin, a changing of one's mind from sin. In other words, repentance involves changing your pattern of thinking so you don't just feel bad about what you did and agree with God that what you've done is wrong, but you seek to think differently on the matter and gain an understanding that sin leads to destruction and death. That's what true repentance is all about. It's to change your pattern of thinking regarding that issue. But so many people, they just think, oh, I repented. I said, I'm sorry. I received this forgiveness. But the Greek word repent, it signifies this changing of the mind. So when Jesus begins his public ministry and says, repent for the kingdom of God is near, he's essentially saying, change your pattern of thinking because the kingdom of God is upon you. And I'm going to start setting things in order. If you change your mind and your thinking patterns, listen here. Even if your behavior and habits don't break right away, in the long run, they will, and it will be permanent. Hear me, people who struggle with certain sin patterns. If you will change your thinking habits regarding that issue or regarding that sin, even if you can't break it right now, in the long run, it will break, and it will be permanent. You will experience more consistent victory in that area. But if you change your behavior but you don't change your thinking patterns. It may look good initially, but when trouble hits you, you will find yourself reverting back to your old ways. That's why religion doesn't work. A religious spirit has no ability to bring true transformation. 
Because a religious spirit doesn't really bring true repentance into the minds and hearts of God's people. Religious spirit says, stop wearing those clothes. Stop smoking that cigarette. Right now. Right now. You come to this church, you got to stop smoking. Stop drinking. No alcohol. No more. And they put restraints and controls around the Christian to try to change the behavior on the outside really fast. As quickly as possible. But doesn't really concern themselves with changing the heart. Changing the mind. But you see, with Jesus, he did it different. What did Jesus do? He had a reputation for hanging out with tax collectors and prostitutes. That means that Jesus wasn't all like, hey, hey, I can't hang out with y'all unless you stop doing this cheating business. He didn't even mention that to Zacchaeus. He went up into Zacchaeus' house and said, oh, this is a nice house. This is a fine house, man. You got some good stuff. This is like, this is an MTV Chris up in here, Zacchaeus. Where you get all this money? <laughs> But Jesus hanging out with Zacchaeus. And as he just loved on Zacchaeus, and Zacchaeus felt the presence, the holy presence of God, Zacchaeus is like, oh, I gotta change my ways. This man's so holy about him. I gotta change my way. He, start, he started getting up, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna pay back people. And he started to obey the law. I think it's like threefold or whatever what the law said. Whoever I've cheated them, I'm going to pay them back this much. And you start getting all zealous. What the religious leaders say? They're all like, I can't believe we're still in a tax collector's house. They're hung up on that. And Jesus is like, celebrate. Look at this. Look at this short dude. (laughs) He's changing right before our eyes. True Christianity, like Holy Spirit-led power of Christianity, don't concern ourselves with all the exterior. It's about the heart first. It's about the mind being changed first. And we know that the behavior will follow. So you, you struggling with cigarettes and you're coming out to New Philly, don't worry. We see you bumming and smoke outside. We ain't going to be like, hey, 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 what you doing? <laughs> you know? Actually... When I was at Yonsei University, man, the disciples I used to disciple, like some of the students I used to disciple, they would smoke during my Bible study. I was, I was, all right, I don't mind y'all smoking, but you can smoke during the Bible study. Man, that stuff will kill me. Put that away. But yeah, I never said that. I just said, let's look at the Word of God here. The first ingredient of lasting transformation is repentance. Second ingredient is renewal. So if you're taking notes, put number two, renewal. What do I mean by renewal? I'm going to read to you Romans 12, 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. In repentance, you change your mind regarding sin. And you break off old habits of thinking in repentance. But in renewal, you form new habits of thinking based on the word of God. So if you want lasting transformation in your life, you need both repentance and renewal. But the essence of both is your thinking patterns. Your mind has got to change. 
Changing your opinion is not enough. Our thinking patterns that support those opinions got to change. You guys hear what I'm saying today? So changing your thought patterns is the essence of repentance. The two ingredients of lasting transformation and maturity, repentance and renewal of the mind. Repentance and renewal of the mind. You let those two things continue to work in your Christian life. You will not stop to keep growing. You will continue to experience transformation. You know, there's an interesting story in Matthew 16. Jesus asked his disciples, who do people say that I am, the son of man is? And they responded, some say John the Baptist. Some say Elijah, uh, Jeremiah, one of the prophets. Jesus says, who do, you, who do you say I am? And Peter says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Just blurts it out, the right answer. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> but just a few verses later, Jesus talks about his death and resurrection. How the son of man is going to be crucified. And the Bible says that Peter took Jesus aside to rebuke him. Now, let's commend Peter here. At least he took Jesus aside, right? You don't want to be rebuking the Messiah in front of everybody, right? You just said he is the son of God. He is, uh, he is uh, the Christ, uh, the son of the living God. You don't want to be rebuking the Christ in front of everybody. So he took him aside. But regardless, the Bible says that Peter began to rebuke the son of God. Rebuke the Christ. That was talked about all throughout Old Scripture. He's, Old Testament, he started rebuking him. You know what Jesus did? Jesus didn't smile and give him a hug or put his hand on him. You just, you just don't understand. Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. Peter said, huh? <laughs> I read to you what Jesus said. Get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me. For you are not setting your mind, the mind, on the things of God, but on the things of man. What did Jesus do? He exposed what was happening inside of Peter. Peter was setting his mind on the things of man, not of God. So did you just realize what just happened here? Peter blurted out the right answer one moment, and then he got called Satan the next. What's my point? Don't just blurt out the right answer. Search the scriptures to see if the things that you are learning are true. Break off old habits of thinking and form new ones. For example, I taught on eschatology, the end times, back in the spring. And... Some people, they changed their view. A lot of people had a more dispensational-leaning view because they didn't know that that was what it was called. And they had this dispensational view. And because your pastor preached on it, some people, they changed their view. But check it out. Your change of opinion is not going to stick if you have not searched the Scriptures like the Bereans did. If you have not allowed a Scripture to change your thinking patterns. If some religious folks begin throwing scripture and quoting Greek to you, you're going to get shaken because you haven't really searched the scriptures yet. And then you might try to blame me for teaching you poorly. But let me get this straight. That is not my fault. That's on you. 
That's on you. I see, I, I hear the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit saying, that's on you. If I have taught clearly from the scriptures and you get shaken by some Pharisee, that's, that's on you. You brought that on your own self. The Bible says in 2 Timothy 2, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling, rightly dividing the word of truth. It says prepare yourself. Do your best to present yourself as a person who rightly divides the word of truth. You know, this is why the Word of God plays such a key role in our sanctification and maturity. The Word of God plays that number one role. In the renewing of the mind, how do you get your mind renewed? By meditating on the Word of God. The Word of God comes in. It's living and active. Jesus said in John 17, 17, sanctify them in the truth. In other words, Jesus prayed, sanctify them, Lord, these believers. Set them apart. Make them holy. Purify them, consecrate them, sanctify them in the truth. And then the ver- next line he said, your word is truth. You know how you're going to be sanctified and grow and transform? It's you meditate on the word of God. You meditate on the truth and you let the truth reprogram your mind. You know what we need in the body of Christ today? We need discerning, thinking followers of Christ. I'm tired of seeing people that just follow, they just follow them like lemmings. What glory does God get by a bunch of people who are mindlessly following things? Just because the leader said so. We need thinking, discerning followers of Christ. We need to develop a capacity for critical thinking. Everybody say critical thinking. Oh, and I got a lot of Asians in here today. You know, Asians, man, we struggle with critical thinking. Let me tell you something, right? Whether you're from Malaysia, Indonesia, Korea, China, we all struggle with critical thinking. You know why? Because our education system is not set up to foster critical thinking. I'm not saying the American system or the Western system is superior. I'm just saying one of their strengths is the environment. If you go to a liberal arts college in America, oh, they, will, they will just scrutinize everything. Sometimes it's just like too much. Like, hey, can you stop that? All right, I'm good, I'm good. I just want to scrutinize everything. But that kind of environment fosters a capacity for critical thinking. And what we need in the church is not a critical spirit, but a capacity for critical thinking. And a wise person knows the difference. And I'll just describe quick, quickly what, if you want to know more about the critical spirit, listen to my message, Make War on a Critical Spirit, from about three years ago. <clears throat> Amazing message. By the way, I used a lot of uh, Joel Olstein's points. So you religious and you got problems with Joel Olstein, you probably don't want to listen to that message. Because that message is actually coming from Joel Olstein. And my, my wife even preached on it recently. But let me just quickly summarize what a critical spirit is. Critical spirit is essentially an orphan spirit. A person that doesn't want to trust nobody. It, they're, they question everything, but they question everything from a place of negativity. And it's more like, oh, okay, that's what the pastor preached. Well, I think it's wrong. Prove it to me. That's like a critical spirit. Doesn't able to trust anybody. Magnifies people's weaknesses. You get in a marriage with a person who's struggling with a critical spirit, oh, it's going to be a one long marriage. They're going to be nagging, complaining, just criticizing everything. Very pessimistic. 
But a person who has a capacity for critical thinking, critical thinking doesn't look like that. We just, as Christians, we're so afraid of the word criticism. Critical. Even in seminary, you know, professors have to be like, you know, well, look, uh, this critical, criticism, what was it? Was it like this discipline of criticism, like uh, biblical, biblical criticism? Anyway, anyway, some like some discipline of examining the scriptures from an archaeological standpoint, from a historical standpoint. They have all these different disciplines. A lot of times, the professors have to say this is not a bad thing. Yes, there are liberals involved that are bashing and slandering the scriptures, but this is not a bad thing. It's actually making the church sharper. But we have to engage it rightly. <clears throat> and we, as Christians, we get so afraid of the word criticism and critical. But here, we need critical thinking in the church. Critical thinking essentially is about having an eye for discernment. It doesn't magnify people's weaknesses. It just magnifies truth. A critical thinking habit finds insight and revelation and it asks the right questions. You know, Koreans, let me be real, are not good at critical thinking. They just want the right answer. Come on, I know many of y'all in Hagwons right now teaching, international schools even teaching. But especially in the Hagwons, especially in elementary schools of Korean public education. Koreans, and you know, it's not their fault that they're not good at critical thinking. It's because of Confucianism. Students are taught early on never to question their authorities. You, you say, well, oh, you're done. <laughs> you never ask why in a Korean setting. You don't say that to your parents. You don't say that to your teacher. You don't say that to your professor. And you, so you'll notice that students rarely question the teacher. And they never present disagreements. Even though they have them inside. They keep it to themselves. And something in the soul dies when you do that over and over again. And so a lot of these Korean students, they just, they treat education and they become experts at mindless memorization. And they do not foster a capacity for critical thinking. And you know what? I'm really concerned in the seminary setting because this is really bad. If you're going to be a pastor and you want to rightly divide the word of truth, you've got to have a capacity for critical thinking. You can't just have a list of right answers and preach from this thing. This thing is living and active. You got to struggle. You got to wrestle with it. You got to wrestle with this word. I think I've shocked my Korean seminary classmates, my Korean classmates and my professors. Because at my seminary, if I disagree, I got no problem letting you know. I don't care what college you went to. Harvard, divinity, Yale, divinity, yeah, whatever. I disagree. And I don't do it with that much attitude. I'm more humble, all right? Don't worry. Don't worry. I'm just, just dramatic effect, all right? I mean, one time in one of my classes, Marcus was there. He was in my class. It was uh, uh, studies in New Testament, like modern New Testament issues. And the professor presented this thing about Israel, and I just disagreed. And so he just started trying to, like, pick me apart because he actually studied in the States. And so I just stood firm, and I said, no, the scriptures say here. I I just disagree. He's like, you prove it. And I was like, well, you you prove it. (laughs) Right? And there was this tense moment. It went on for 45 minutes. 
But I didn't back down. You know what? I just, I, my nature is to be argumentative. I don't have a problem with that. Like I'm like Martin Luther. I'm, I don't mind being argumentative. I believe that that's a gift from the Lord for me to really contend for the truth. So you'll never see me back down. But it was also partly because I got educated in America. That I don't have that kind of Confucianism veiling my eyes and telling me this is wrong. No, I need, I need to do that. If this, is, if this is true, then I need to learn from the scriptures and change my mind. By the way, I wrote my final paper on that issue. And I think I, think I almost changed the professor's mind a little bit. Just a little. I think I opened his heart a little bit. I presented a pretty decent paper. I don't know if it was an A-plus paper. It was like a good decent paper. Some of, you, some of you read that paper. Anyway, I don't, I don't want to sound like I'm boasting, all right? It was a decent paper. I'm just saying. Unfortunately, this kind of mindless memorization doesn't just happen in the Korean education system. It happens in churches all over the world. We need discerning followers of Christ, not lemmings that just follow whatever is said or go after every voice that sounds smart because they have a theological degree or after a celebrity minister because they have a large church. No, people of God, check your sources. Examine the scriptures. If you see... Some kind of link floating around Facebook or Twitter. Don't just repost that right away. Read it. Scrutinize it. Look at the content. See if it's scriptural. And if if there's good things that are said, but there's also things that concern you, then point that out when you repost it. They got so many Christians, they don't check their sources. Sometimes they're like posting articles for Mormonism. What are you doing? Well, it mentioned Jesus. What are you doing? (laughs) Think critically. And I'm telling you right now, if you carelessly repost something and I see it on social media, I will use a little bit of good old Asian shame. I will post a comment on that thing and I will tear you up. (laughs) I won't tear you up, but I will... You know, constructive criticism. <laughs> I will take apart whatever you thought was good. I'm just tired of seeing even our leaders at this church. Come on. Examine the scriptures. Check your sources. You know, no one listens to a movie critic if he or she just says, that movie was good. I recommend it. <laughs> Nobody listens to a movie critic like that. But here's the thing. No one listens to a Christian that cannot articulate what they learned. Oh, that sermon was good. And you're wondering why your coworkers don't want to know about Jesus. Because nobody wants to listen to you. Because you don't know how to articulate. You don't know how to take apart what you actually learned. Look at the different components. Look at your concerns. Things that you still have yet to learn that I included when I preached it. You don't know how to like... Question that and search the scriptures for the answer. You know what I'm saying? We need discerning followers of Christ. We need Bereans in this day. Some, some believers are going tossed back and forth like a wave in the sea about their beliefs. Because they listen to some smart preacher from the Gospel Coalition. Look, check this out. There's a lot of wonderful people in the Gospel Coalition. Don't get me wrong. And I agree with the majority of what, what they're preaching. But some of those guys that are part of that and part of their blog system... Some of what they write is poison. 
But because you're not critically thinking, you're just you're consuming poison, you don't even know it. That stuff will get into your system. And you know what, what the really sad thing is? Some believers in the church, they don't even look to the church anymore for the religious beliefs. They look to pop culture. It's really sad, but they get more of their theology from movies, some fiction books, about some nerdy-looking kid practicing witchcraft. I don't know if they get their theology from that one, but... They get more of their theology from movies and celebrities than from their pastors. That's real sad. They're not really thinking about it, that they're getting most of their religious beliefs from Oprah. Let me tell you something right now. From both within the church, with the religious spirits, and people who are outside the church with pop culture, they're all competing for your attention. They're all competing to shape your religious beliefs and your spiritual beliefs. And they're, they're, they will lead you into deception. But you have got to be discerning. You've got to be a Berean. Search the scriptures to see if these things are true. And like Brother Michael used to teach me, eat the meat and throw out the bones. You know, we can learn a lot from different Christian movements. And people criticize the Jesus movement. But you can learn a lot from the Jesus movement. People criticize, you know, Pentecostal movement. You can learn a lot from Pentecostals. People criticize, you know, even uh, reform, the reform movement. You can learn a lot from those reform guys. Baptists, Mennonites. You can learn... You can learn a lot from different religious traditions. But you got to learn how to eat the meat and throw out the bones. You're just going to be choking on a whole lot of bones if you just receive everything. And that's why I love Pastor Benjamin. I really look up to him because he has a great critical thinking capacity. Like he will hear my sermon and he'll be like, that's really good. But you know, you know, what about this? What about from this angle? You know, remember what this scripture says? I'll be like, wow, that's awesome. That's from my sermon. And he'll be like, yeah. And then, and then after I thought about that, I thought about this. And I thought maybe um, your strength, your points could have been strengthened. This was a little bit of a weak point if you would say that. And it's not even just what you said. It's how you said it. If you said it like that. Like he's, he's got this amazing critical thinking. I want it. I want to get in there and be like, give me that, give me that. Can you impart it to me, Pastor Benjamin? I'm really glad that I have an African-American man that is, that is fathering me and mentoring me. Not that I got anything against Korean, Korean-American pastors, but I'm telling you, man, I'm learning so much. And I realized that all my life, I have been taught in inner city Philadelphia that Asians, the only thing they're good at it's math and science. You know, I remember in, in, I remember in sixth or seventh grade, I started writing poetry. Now, I'm not a very good poet, all right? But I started writing poetry. You can, you can hold it up, Jay. Go ahead. Hold it up. Go ahead. All right. Well, I'm at the 45-minute mark. I passed it. Now, give me like seven minutes. Seven minutes, all right? I remember I was like, I want to be a writer. I remember I said that around 7th, 8th grade. I want to be a writer. I just had this fire to write. Right? And then in 8th grade came along, and they had this prime program, P-R-I-M-E. 
I forget what it stood for, but it's pretty much a program to give uh, poor inner city minorities an opportunity to develop their engineering and science um, education so they can become engineers because the city needed more engineers. So they said, no, no, forget the writing. You're an Asian. You're good at math. You're, you're good at science. Forget that stuff. You need, to, you need to be a scientist. You need to be an engineer, young man. And I just, I just bought into that. And so when I got to high school, my friends, man, they would be sitting through English class, and they would just be asking these amazing questions. And I'd just be like, oh, I can never be like them. I'm Asian. <laughs> I'm just going to focus on science. And let me tell you, man, I got, I got straight A's in science and math. But man, something died in me regarding like English and literature. I remember trying to read Shakespeare and I was like, I'm Asian, forget this. Give me some cliff notes. Hey, Tin, Tin, my Chinese friends. Hey, Tin, give me, give me the cliff notes. All right, let me look at the cliff notes. I, mean, I did cliff notes throughout all high school, man. I didn't read any of the classics. So when I got to the seminary, I was in a lot of trouble. Because they were talking about Aristotle and Plato. And I was like, who's that? What are what? I love Pastor Benjamin because he got that critical thinking skill. And you know what? Each and every one of you, whether you're Asian or not, you have the ability to develop that. And as a Christian within the church, you got to develop that regarding spirituality, regarding theology. And you know, a word to the teachers and preachers and professors: don't be insecure. If your students. They ask questions, encourage them to ask those questions. Truth has no fear of examination. Unless you're not preaching the truth. Then you should be scared. <laughs> right? But to the, to the professors and preachers, don't be insecure. Your authority is not going to fly out the window because somebody asks you a question. New Philly, we're in the year of inspiration. And in order for our church to be creative, we have to develop our critical thinking capacity we have to learn how to think outside the box don't just accept the status quo if you ain't asking the right questions you will not find the right answers and what we have today here at new philly what we have today may be great but you know what it may not work tomorrow holy spirit may move on and anoint something else I'm talking about ministry methods and approaches and programs. If all we do is repeat what we've always done, we're going to be left with dead religion. Programs that God's not breathing upon and anointing anymore. We've got to increase our capacity for creativity, for critical thinking, and to be led by the Holy Spirit. All right, I'm way over time now. JL's like, wrap it up. So let's be like the Bereans. Search the scriptures. Be ready to articulate what you've learned. You know, this is how I can tell which of the leaders in the house are going to be good preachers. You know how I can tell which, which of our up and coming leaders are going to be good preachers? You see, at our church, our leadership, we have this thing called smart commenting, which means... On our Facebook page, every Sunday, whenever I preach a message, the MP3 link gets posted on our Facebook page. And what is required of all of our 200 leaders is they are to go onto the MP3 
and articulate in their own words what they learned or what got highlighted for them. And people have gotten in the habit of doing that. And so every time you see an MP3 link, you will see like 140 comments go up on that message. It should be 200. I don't know who the 60 of y'all are, but... <clears throat> and when I look through those smart comments, I can tell who's going to be a good preacher. You know why? Because they don't regurgitate. They're able to articulate it in their own words. This is a word to all the preachers, people who are aspiring to be in ministry. Check this out. You need to learn how to take the revelation of God and say it in your own words. Now, sometimes you quote people, but other times you need to really test yourself whether you really understand it or not. And it's really sad. I noticed in the Korean education system, they, they really frown on essay-based tests. But, you know, coming from the Western system, I used to love essay-based tests. Why? Because even if you don't know a single thing about that subject, <laughs> you just write some stuff that sounds smart, and they will still give you a C or a B plus or something like that. <laughs> now, that teaches people how to um, BS, right? <laughs> I wasn't going to say it. Y'all did. But at the same time, that, that's reflection of a system that likes to foster creative, uh, critical thinking. So church, my message is real simple today. Be a Berean. Be a Berean. Search the scriptures. And at the end of the day, don't forget to obey what you've learned. All this is good for nothing if you don't apply it to your life. But sometimes the application suffers because the understanding is not there. Let's pray. Father, my prayer over each and every person in this room is that Holy Spirit, you would awaken their mind, awaken their their critical thinking capacity to new levels. And I pray that, Lord, that the spirit of the Bereans would be upon them. And whenever they learn something, they won't just scratch the surface, but they will dig down deep. And they will see just how amazing your word is. Just how living and active it really is. And how truth is indeed true in every way. Help us to go deeper, Lord. Raise up a generation that is discerning, boldly discerning, rightly dividing the word of truth. Help us to go deeper, Lord. Deeper, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all stand to our feet. We'll close with this song.